Left. Right. You are quickly approaching episode 35 of Sip Talk. This is a follow-up to the two-part episode we did the previous week about sexual harassment. This is about sexual harassment in the workplace and training to avoid it and training to deal with it. Uh, let me know what you think in the comments, and I will have in the information below links to the guests' information. So check that out so you can follow up with these guys. Enjoy. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome, guys, to episode 35 of Sip Talk. Today, we're going to be drinking Dark and Stormies. Let me introduce James the Bosnator Boswell, philosopher, accountant, pro referee, rule maker, and rule breaker, and former bartender. Former bartender, Jamie and Brent, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm an attorney in Rochester. I specialize in real estate with in multifamily. I'm Brent. I'm, uh, I work for a company called Simcoe HR here in Canandaigua, New York. Uh, if you haven't been to Canandaigua, it's definitely a beautiful place to check out. Um, I am one of the vice president of business partners, so I work with our clients a multitude of things, one of them being sexual harassment, and we're going to get to that, uh, I think, today. We are going to get to sexual harassment today. First, we're going to make some drinks. Uh, Brent, can you spell Canadegua? <laughs> oh, man. I can. I don't know if you want to hear it, though. That's the thing. <laughs> um, I have a difficult time spelling Rensselaer, so. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing we have spell check these days. I'd be in trouble. <laughs> um, so you guys are drinking Gosling's rum. Yeah? That is, that is true. Are there multiple types of guys in the wrong James, or is it only the dark one there? I'm sure that they make more than one type, but the most commonly, <laughs> the most common bottle you're going to find is really just all the same, which is just going to be their, their black rum. So I like to introduce some alcohol before we start talking about sexual harassment. <laughs> I find it really fitting here. Well, uh, usually one leads to the other, so. Yeah, think of it like an office holiday party. Um, I'm drinking Appleton Estate, which is a Jamaican rum. I think it may be my favorite Jamaican rum. But if you're watching and you want to drink along with us, a dark and stormy is dark rum, ginger beer, and lime. James, do you put bitters in yours? You can. I think I'm going to. Let me go grab my bitters. Oh, I need oh, to get my bartender spoon, you too. You're off it. You told me ginger ale. Ginger, ginger ale, yeah, ginger ale. Right here. I got my ginger ale. Now let's make these drinks quick. Um, because we talked about sexual harassment in the last episode, we brought on Nicole Feliciano, and she talked about her experiences as a woman in the workplace. I really like to hear some male experience uh, from the workplace because I think that is definitely not as common. Uh, but I, I'd like to hear uh, I'd like to hear some male sexual harassment stories. Brent, well, do you have some male sexual harassment stories? I might have, I might have, uh, you know, witnessed a few, so I can at least attest from that side of the okay. fact. So we have Brent on today as he's signed on to do some sexual harassment training, as required by the state of New York, for oh, yeah. for my company, the Julio Group, 
and I'm really curious what sexual harassment training entails, uh, as it is uh, state required, right? It, it is a state requirement. Yeah, it's uh, it came out 2018. Um, so you know, every employer, uh, you got one employee, doesn't matter. Um, you know, for you, it's a little different, Justin. Being you know, you have agents, but because you live in the city, a little bit stricter laws down there. Um, but yeah, 2018, they put that law into effect. So every year since then, um, it's an annual recertification that every employer has to do. So, so every year we have to recertify. Exactly. So it doesn't matter if you did it last year. Um, you know, even your new hires that are coming in, they say to do that as soon as possible um, and then recertify them on that annual mark whenever you chose to start that process. So let me ask, what does the sexual harassment training entail? How long is it? Uh, there are quizzes, tests, written exam. Okay, before you guys get started, let me make my drink and I'll give TikTok a, and all the people since I don't I don't agree with the way that you guys made your drinks. So I'm going to turn off the background so you can see things a little bit better. But you're going to want to start with glass with some ice. I already got that prepared. If you want to do bitters, which I'm going to do, I recommend you you dress the ice with that first, just a little bit, just a couple drops will do will be plenty. Then the next thing you want to do is probably a good solid five count on your on your drink. One, two, three, four, five. For lime juice, that's just going to be kind of to taste. So I just give it about three squeezes from bottle. Fresh squeezed lime juice did that before the stream tonight. And then this is about seven ounces or so, but I'm not going to do all of it. Probably about five ounces. And then if you need to, you can give it a stir. But you want to you don't you don't you want to put your ice in first, not last, because you, otherwise you're gonna have a problem like Justin does. We're gonna splash everything out of the drink. I'm working out of I just I just cut the just cut the lime in a letter over for the record. <laughs> James, we gotta get you a uh, drink channel on YouTube. Yeah, it's been a while since I I was doing it professionally, but where'd you buy uh, uh, a bar in downtown Charleston that is now closed. No, most I like to think that I bear some responsibility for it. I bartended at Summers. I don't know if you've heard of that in West Hampton. I no, I. It's I been that. eleven. No, it's been over twelve years since I've lived in New York. It's been a little while. Uh, cheers, James. Cheers. Cheers, guys. So James is in South Carolina. Uh, James and I lived together in South Carolina for a couple of years, and he had to come back to New York. So we have to convince him to come back to New York. You're going to have to do some serious <laughs> convincing because New York's at about the bottom of my list to move to. <laughs> Especially lately. Um, so so back, back on topic, Brent, what does the sexual harassment training entail? How long is it? Are there any quizzes, multiple choice, written, long written answer? <laughs> We try and get rid of the long written answer for some people. So, um, yeah, you know, last year was a different story than obviously this year. You know, uh, COVID kind of presents some challenges to doing these types of trainings, among other types of trainings. Uh, last year and the years before, a lot of the training was done in person, you know, in a live training setting, uh, in a group setting. And uh, this year, we're seeing a lot of people go towards that online type of class. Um, it's an individual training that ends up happening because each individual employee gets training sent to their email. Um, and so, you know, I actually kind of like that. It guarantees the participation a little bit more sometimes than I think if you were in a live group of 50 people, uh, you know, your participation rate might be 50% if you're lucky. 
um, you know, which I think is interesting. But the whole point of the training is to go through and educate, you know, employees uh, and managers slash supervisors on, you know, what is sexual harassment? Um, you know, what is okay in the workplace? What is not? A lot of it seems like, you know, common sense, but um, you'd be surprised at how many people, you know, don't realize, you know, what is harassment. I know I listened to your podcast from yesterday and some of those stories were along those lines, right? Some people might uh, not realize, some people might and uh, continue to do it. But the training, the goal of the training is really to uh, educate everybody across the board as far as this is the law. Um, you know, there is uh, action to take if you experience it or see somebody experience it um, and how to handle that. So let me, let me just ask this because somebody brought this up earlier today that... <laughs> use this as, as an example, but I could slap somebody in the ass and someone else may be offended. Yeah. And, and, and that fall, that person can be sexually harassed by me sexually harassing someone else. Is that yeah, a you can, you can find yourself in a, in a conversation that, you know, someone could complain, someone could technically put a complaint in, file a complaint form. Um, do I think that you're going to have a whole lot of issues with the Department of Human Resources or EOC? Probably not. Um, if it was something, you know, that, that you guys talked about and that person said, please don't do that in front of me and you kept doing it a hundred times more, you know, maybe then we have something to talk about. But um, yeah, it's very, very simple as that. It could be an impression from somebody else watching, even dirty jokes, things like that, that, you know, you and your buddy might be talking about and somebody hears it. Um, it's, so we're, just, we're supposed to be very robotic. You can't tell jokes. You can tell certain jokes. They can't be racial. They can't be sexual. They can't allude to sexuality, um, which, you know, I, I don't like the direction we're going in with these things, although I, do, I think there are some major positives to it, but, but I feel like we're kind of losing a lot of, I don't know who people are as, as individuals. I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to articulate, really. It's very generational too, because yeah. I have, I work with a bunch of older men who have said things or done things that you're like, really, you shouldn't be saying that. But some, you know, like I'm comfortable with them saying it sometimes it's not like offensive, but like what they're saying could easily be misinterpreted for some issue. Which so. reminds me, which James, your lips look really nice. <laughs> oh Yeah. Well, uh, maybe I'll fly up to New York City because of that compliment. <laughs> well, that was a comment one of the watchers got last time, which I thought was over the line. But we were we were trying to decide how over the line. Apparently, it was then followed up with what they would then want to do with her lips. Um, but but really, what I want to one I want to define harassment, and then two I want to define like where we're drawing this somewhat arbitrary line. I think it's a I think it's really subjective line. Um, but but that's what makes it so difficult but like my understanding of the definition of harassment is pers persistence is a is a major factor in it so if you ask someone to stop and they persist then it really becomes harassment but a key ingredient also is asking them to stop am i am i on to something from your perspective yeah i mean you definitely are it's it's tough they when they first put out the sexual harassment uh, guidelines. It was kind of exactly like you said, as far as it having to be, you know, uh, severe and persistent as far as deeming to be harassment. And then they kind of added some other language last year, um, defining it more as in petty slights or trivial inconveniences. Um, and so, you know, there's been this toss up of, of 
you know, I can take it one way, another person can take it another way. Uh, you know, what's the correct way at the end of the day to do it? Um, and there is a process that's, that's put in place. You know, when we talk about doing these sexual harassment investigations to figure out, you know, was it intentional? Um, you know, did the person do this multiple times? Was there a conversation that was had? A lot of different factors that, that factor into that end result at the end of the day, as far as, you know, is this person going to be terminated? Are we going to find uh, a way to uh, resolve this? Uh, is it going to go to the next step as far as someone wanting to file uh, get a grievance, right? Um, so it really kind of just depends on, on the situation. I know it's a really tough way to define harassment, but um, it is somewhat discretionary as far as the way people take things. So would you say that in most cases that there's going to be an opportunity for the offending party to be able to correct their behavior? Uh, I think we can all agree that there are going to be some cases where one time is enough. If it's, if it's a severe enough offense, one time is enough. But in, in most cases, it's probably going to fall somewhere in the middle where they do something that's wrong. They might not even be aware of it. Or even if they are aware of it, they get a chance to correct the behavior and fix the problem. Am I right there? Yeah, you are. And that's, you know, the goal here is to eliminate those questions of, you know, somebody not knowing what was right or wrong by doing these types of trainings. Um, you know, we can really start to say, you know, we went through this, you, you went through the course, you under, you said you understood what was right and wrong. Um, but the other side of that, you know, people don't necessarily have to speak up and say something. Um, just this August 2020, they extended that uh, length of time as far as when somebody can make a complaint to the DHR. It used to be a year, they've extended that to three years. So, yeah, so essentially, you know, I could have something going on today for a month long and then file that, that claim, you know, a year or two years down the line. Um, now I will say, and, and as we look at the law and we look at all these uh, things that make it seem like you can't have a real conversation with people, I think it's important to also look at the, the cases that have happened um, you really won't see a petty case out there for the most part. Um, why, a lot of why is this? Where is it getting cut off? Well, I think a lot of people are resolving those issues at the, at the company, right? So kind of like your example, as far as, you know, you make a joke and somebody is offended by it. I think people now more than ever are having that conversation either directly with that person uh, or going to their supervisor and or owner, you know, depending on the size of the company and saying, you know, I really didn't feel comfortable with this. And then it's getting addressed, you know, pretty quickly. Um, I think a lot of the stories that you see in the news, um, you know, locally and nationally are those ones where uh, something was said and ignored over and over and over again. Um, and then the hammer really starts to come down quick. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I imagine there's, I just, I just keep channeling being in high school and James and I were both in the wrestling team until he snapped his arm in two pieces, basically. Yeah, it was a good ending for the career. <laughs> but the, you know, the wrestling coach used to slap us on the ass, you know, before we went out to uh, to you know hug other men. So uh, I didn't think anything of it. It was just like, all right, we're like this is kind of a gay enough sport as it is. I I actually joined the wrestling team, not wanting to wrestle. I just wanted to exercise during the wintertime between cross country and track season. And then you know I liked lifting weights and. And a lot of the exercises we were doing involved other, and you just slowly just got comfortable with it. And then before you know it, you're four and a half minutes in, gasping for breath with somebody's shoulder in your balls. So, yeah. but, 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 but you learn that that's like fucking life. And hundreds of years ago, they did that shit naked. 
Yeah. For the record. Um, yeah, I'm glad we didn't grow up during that time. <laughs> uh, and a lot of, well, you know, in before that, they did it to the fucking death. So, uh, but the wrestling coach would slap us in the ass on the way out. Uh, I got an employee every once in a while. Um, slaps me on the ass before I head up to the, before I head up to the bar or something when we're out. I, it doesn't bother me. doesn't bother me at all. It seems normal. And I used to do it to people too, except I just realized probably shouldn't do it. Yeah. It's just, it's really tough. It's one of those things like, you know, most people, probably 98% of people are going to say something if they don't feel comfortable with it. Um, but, but there is that percentage that you just don't know. Right. So the whole point of this is like, you know, if you, if you know your friend, if you know who you're talking to, you know, who you're working with, um, and you know, you have that trust and you can have that conversation or whatever, um, then by all means continue on, you know, we have to have that culture still exists. You know, we are human. Um, but at the end of the day, if you don't know, right, brand new employee comes in, you're not going to walk up and smack them on the ass and say, you know, glad to have you here. Um, you just don't know how that can be, you know, uh, accepted. So the whole point of the training is to go through that and just say, guys, you know, take, take a second before you act. Um, you know, whether it's male, female, doesn't matter. Um, be aware of your surroundings, be aware of who's listening. Uh, a lot of people don't realize, you know, even, you know, texting and emailing stuff back and forth, um, that gets sent to the wrong person. It can just end up in a downward spiral. So what if it does get sent to the wrong person and it's an accident? You get fired for that? What sort of I mean, no, I don't think I don't think there's any reason for anyone to ever fire somebody over an accident like that. Um, the whole point of the investigation procedure is to get to the bottom of those things. So, you know, there is a pretty at length procedure that most companies have to follow to say, all right, there was a complaint made. Let's see what actually happened, what transpired. Um, you know, do we have any proof of anything malicious and and go down that route? And you know, I've even you know seen cases where um, you know, things were said, you know, multiple times, but, you know, we found at the end of the day that it was not on purpose. Um, the person didn't know that the other person felt uncomfortable. Um, and then you're able to find a resolve at the end of the day between the two people. Um, so, you know, it is somewhat of a delicate situation. You have to, you have to navigate. So who's this, who's, so you, there seems to be a third party in the instances that you're giving. Yeah. In my organization, there's effectively me and then 115 agents who are independent contractors. If I get a complaint about someone, how do I go about dealing with that? And does it depend on the type of complaint? And, are, and do I ignore some? Well, and also what happens if someone has to make a complaint about you? Exactly. That's, that's a great point. So. Um, there's a couple things to address there, right? So don't ignore anything. Uh, never ignore it. At least document what was, what was said or what, uh, you know, form was. Define documentation. What do you need to do? You so, your, your rape journal, James. Just, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, that was, they're all full. <laughs> um, so there is a complaint form that the, uh, the New York state published. Um, every employer should distribute it to their employee. You can go right on the New York state website and grab it, newyork.gov. Um, sexual harassment, it's right on there, um, that every employee should have access to by now. If they don't, uh, they need to have it. They can verbally come to you, Justin, as an, as an owner or as somebody who is running that company and say, this is what happened. And then you can document that um, and put that in their file or, or create a file for that incident. Um, you know, but 
essentially documentation can either happen from the employee and hand it into that supervisor uh, and or owner, or they can even verbally come to you. Um, and then you as that owner or even a supervisor manager that's designated to be that go-to person um, has to do that documentation. So, you know, a complaint comes to you, Justin, you're going to, you're going to sit down um, with the two parties involved. You're going to sit down one-on-one -on -one probably to start. One -on -one. Okay. Yeah. I would assume. Yeah. You know, you want to, it's, 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 it's very simple. You know, if you don't feel comfortable doing it, obviously you could hire someone like Jamie um, or somebody else to come in and do that for you. Um, but you want to actually, you know, record those conversations one-on-one, -on -one, uh, transcribe them. So it's word for word, exactly what happened. Um, so you can get a clear understanding from each side, you know, the issue at hand. Then you kind of start to do that uh, investigation part where, okay, something's not lining up here. Let's see if we have any proof to find out what actually happened. Um, maybe there was videotapes of something, you know, physical happening. Maybe there's emails or texts um, as you can start to pull those records. Um, but then, you know, pretty quickly, hopefully, depending on how many people are involved, you'll be able to put together a picture of what actually happened. Um, you know, and then it comes down to just like any other instance in the workplace, you know, is this a fireable offense? Um, have, can we come to together at the table between these parties and, and have a conversation to say, you know what, you guys aren't going to work together anymore. Are you okay with that? You know, yes, no. Um, and have that conversation. Um, you know, at the end of the day, there might be hard decisions that have to be made as far as, you know, letting some people go, especially if it starts to become a problem again. Um, but I, I think, you know, when we look at the claims that we've dealt with and just instances that we've been involved with as far as an HR firm is concerned, a lot of them don't end in termination. Um, a lot of them at least end in that second chance, you know, okay, we can, you know, change schedules. Uh, we can uh, move people around into different departments. Um, you really start to find those terminations occur either in something that was very egregious or uh, is happening again for the second or third time. Um, now, James, you presented a pretty good question. You know, let's say someone is, you know, let's say Justin's doing something um, and someone doesn't know who to go to, right? Because they're like, I want to file a complaint against Justin. You know, they can go to an outside firm if the company has designated that person uh, to be a resource. Um, we have some clients, you know, uh, for ourselves that use us as far as if an employee were to uh, experience something that they don't feel comfortable going to their manager or supervisor, uh, to come to us and then we will relate that to somebody at the, uh, at the employer level. Um, or they can go directly to the DHR or, or EEOC. So Department of Human Resources, um, they can file a claim right online and go that route. Um, so where, where are they finding this information? This is my responsibility providing it to the company so they know where to go for this. Yep, so this, all this stuff. So there's three parts to the sexual harassment training. There's the video, uh, right? There's the actual course. Um, but there's also the complaint form that we talked about earlier and also the policy. So that policy is going to have all that language in there as far as, you know, okay, I got to go to Justin if I experience an issue. Um, if I don't want to go to Justin or don't feel I can go to Justin, I, I can go to the EEOC or DHR. Um, and those links are right in that policy so they can go file a claim there. Um, that being said, I think one of the, the best things that we always practice and preach is keep it internal if possible. It's going to you know, it's going to end up in the best result at the end of the day. Sometimes I've seen where um, it's very possible where someone might not realize that they also did something. Um, and maybe they're on the other end of the spectrum. They don't realize it, right? Where maybe they're the one that's actually, um, you know, kind of committing, you know, the, uh, the crime, so to speak. Um, so keeping it internal allows for that discussion to happen, that result to happen without external forces stepping in.
so so let me because what I want to get into is things that are on the line and you know what's what, what is the line what's over the line what should people never ever do um, and and you know as if we're writing the handbook for this basically you know obviously Brent you know the handbook obviously you're writing the handbook um, now I'll give you an example when I have and I did this for a very long time now I have a video camera in my office so I'm good <laughs> But I would never close the door when, when I, and even when you have these private conversations, you know, people listening, I never felt comfortable in my office with a woman in the office, one-on-one. -on -one. And, you know, I'm, I think I try to give off pretty comfortable vibes to other people, but I just, you never know, especially in fucking 2020. Right. Yeah. You know, it could be a honeybee or it could be a fucking Japanese killer bee. You don't know. Yeah. I don't know what a Japanese killer bee looks like. Probably like a fucking Honda, but um, <laughs> yeah. I hope you don't drive a Honda, guys. Sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> uh, but the closed door thing, that's a concern of mine. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Uh, we'll start up top with Brent and Jamie. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to add anything in there, Jamie, but I think yeah. the closed door thing is, is a great practice, you know, just making it, um, you know, if you, again, if you don't have a camera, right? Um, just keeping it as transparent as possible. I know yesterday you guys talked about those relationships in the workplace. That's a big thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, having that manager employee relationship where people are uh, in a personal relationship outside of work, but you know, they're working in that um, capacity, you know, on the job. That's just something you, you absolutely um, from a company standpoint have to enforce that, 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 that doesn't happen um, for the purposes of things change, right? Things change over time. Um, I could be, you know, all good with somebody today and then you know we're still having that those same types of conversations and something changes and um now there's that direct um employer uh, sorry supervisor employee relationship happening that could end up in um you know a power struggle hey so i got a question for you because this came up on our last stream that we were talking about this let's say you've got two employees that start dating and they're at the same employment level when they start dating and everything's fine and then one of the two of them gets a promotion and now they're in a management role. What happens there? Yeah. So from the company standpoint, I mean, every company is a little bit different, uh, but I, I would say every company that we work with um, and most companies today are putting a policy actually in place that says we're okay with relationships in the workplace. But when all of a sudden it starts to go towards um, having that manager employee relationship, um, that's a no go. Right, but I'm saying like I, I can totally get not having a manager date someone that they're in charge of and uh, that have firing power. That makes complete sense to me. But what do you do with if two people that are at the same level and then one of them gets promoted? Yeah, so I had that happen at my prior law firm um, where two people were dating and um, one of them did make partner and they broke up. And it got really ugly, really fast. And actually both were asked to leave. Um, Why so. did they break up? Was it because one made partner and the other didn't? No, it got a little more complicated than that, but. Committing um, sexual harassment by, by priming, yeah. man. Well, there might've been a third party involved in the workplace, but um, it got ugly really fast. And instead of dealing with that because they had both been on the same level and one recently got promoted. They both were asked to leave. Um, I have seen it where if 
there is a supervisor that the person underneath is asked to leave. Um, and, and then there's a lawsuit that ensues about mm, the person who is under suing for sexual harassment. So um, you got to be careful with that from a legal perspective of how that treatment is because the manager is supposed to act in a different role than the person under them. Yeah, well, so I, I, I got a wild situ situation that happened to me a few years ago. So I had, what drink are you guys on? You guys are still on drink one? We're, we're getting to the bottom here, Justin. I just filled it. So. <laughs> You're not working very hard, man. You're not working very hard. Right? I got about halfway to go before I need to refresh my drink, so. Look, I, I don't deal with employees, so I can't threaten them. I, I deal with <laughs> I have to motivate them. That's but, all right. I'll just okay, tease them later. It's all good. So, so, Brent, you said Jamie's drinking faster than you? Yeah, I oh, am. Oh, all right. Well, fill me up then, I guess. <laughs> I just, I wasn't sure because I can't see your glasses. Justin, Look, are you uh, new? I don't know. Are you a number two already? Old. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Of course. Most of the talking, so, you know. Yeah, you know, I mean. Well, yeah, now, Brent, Brent, obviously, it's like it's like hosting a dinner party or something. You got, you got to do all this talking. No pressure here. This, no, this, no peer pressure because that could be harassment yeah, too. Yeah, this peer pressure forcing me to drink. No, but I, I mean, in terms of rum, the, go the goslings you guys are drinking, I really like goslings. I really like <clears throat> a dark rum, ice cold. I, 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 like, I love Jamaican rum. I'm not a big fan of Ray and Nephew. Uh, I don't know if you guys are super familiar with Jamaican rum. I had a lot of it. Last time James and I were talking about the Caribbean, talking about tra traveling around Dominican Republic. Um, where else? Uh, Jamaica. Uh, Puerto Rico, but 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 really, you know, I was thinking about this rum, and that's what that's where I thought uh, the Darkest Army. What's Darkest Army from Barbados? What is that? Where where's that originate? Bermuda, um, Bermuda. The question is, do you like this better than the Macallan I bought you? I'm a Scotch guy. You know that. <laughs> uh, yeah, better your Scotch out of me. That's awesome. I used to have a roommate in college that uh, was from Jamaica, and he would always have, you know, random Jamaica rum. Uh, well, the, the Ray and Nephew is a very popular Jamaican rum. Um, if you've had Ray and Nephew, uh, let me know what you think of it. I thought it tasted like fucking rocket fuel. Not rocket fuel, the drink that they have out in, in, in Long Island. I mean, like rocket fuel, like you're drinking it off of the fucking ship that's about to go to the moon. <laughs> uh, and, I don't know what brand it was. When I was in college, one of my friends from Jamaica came back with some small bottle of Jamaican rum, and it tasted like distilled garbage. Like if you were to go to a dump and take whatever liquid seeps out of the bottom and then distill that into some kind of a liquor, that's what you would result from. So you Maybe can very right with Jamaican rum, and then you can end up with whatever he brought back. So, well, yeah. So these guys, uh, TikTok is saying Gosling is the best. But really, I think a dark and stormy is a great drink. We've had a lot of rain lately. It's, I, I'm actually, I took the bike in today, and they said it was going to start raining at 7 o'clock, 7.05, and it's really cloudy outside. So it looks like I'll be dropping the tie and just getting soaked on the way home because it's supposed, it's supposed to rain quite a bit. Um, and that's... Don't you miss know. that at about New York. And that's Running a, mm -mm. No. Um, but, uh, James, you put bitters in yours? Yeah, I put uh, a couple dashes of bitters. I might I might change it up for the next one and just go with a sweeter drink. But bitters adds a nice kind of balance to it. Yeah, I, I, but, I mean, these things I could drink all night. Ginger ale is good, good for your belly. It's good, I mean, not for your belly fat, but it's good for your, your tummy. Uh, 
it, it, it's supposed to be good for your digestion. And uh, I think it's a great drink. I really think it's, it's a simple drink and it's one of my absolute favorites. Yeah, there's a local uh, Mexican restaurant here in Candaigo called Rio, and they have a phenomenal uh, darkest stormy that uh, me and my family always love to partake in. So uh, very yeah. familiar with it. Yep. Cool. Cool. Can, can you spell that, though? No. I was able to spell it first try. Really? Yep. You mean it, well, you typed it and it didn't Without go? looking at it? Come on. I'm also from New York. There you go. <laughs> um, and fourth grade spelling bee champion. <laughs> so let me just, I, I just, I, I wanted to tell you guys a story about what happened to me real quick. I want to run through some comments real quick because we got a few of them. And um, I want to just fill you guys in on, on what we're hearing. Um, working predominantly female office run, escrow office, 19 years, corporate event. Okay. A lot of men, a lot of men underline there. Um, something else to talk about. The coronavirus shots, the vaccine. Uh, someone told me something. It was a ways back about a red bikini. And one of the partners, let's see. Uh, hang on. Let me just read you this. High-level exec said he saw me in a pink bikini the past weekend. And made a comment about it. 20 coworkers were there. I was mortified. It was the worst thing for me. Mm. I, I mean, so. I mean, I we got a guy in the office, woman walks in the room, he goes, oh, you look beautiful today, sunshine, or some bullshit, like, 1950s madman, and I'm just like, ah, oh, one, that's corny as fuck, dude, probably listening to me right now, and I'm like, no, I know, you're, like, that's, you're being nice, and you're just, you're a generally nice guy, you look beautiful, I don't think, he's not saying, like, let me get in your pants, sunshine. All right, I'll give you an example, real time just happened to me. I had a partner walk behind me and say, he came behind me down the whole hallway and came in my office to say, you walk with authority. I wish I was young to walk in your company. You can interpret that any which way you want. You know, Brent, those Brent, Brent, Brent. <laughs> better not say it. That's, a, that's, right? a I mean, that's my point is you can interpret it any way you want. Right, you say say it. It. Right. At what point do we say fucking nothing? We're just... Yeah, there's a part to it where, you know, you can have a conversation without saying, I saw you in a red bikini in front of 20 other people. You know, there's there's a part to it where, don't did you it. have to say that right then in front of other people to that person that you don't really know on that level? Probably not. Um, is he going to lose his job over it? Eh, probably not. But no, of course. It doesn't mean well, it's right. Jamie, give you dirty. Should he lose his job? <laughs> No, I, you know what? I, you can't ask me. I, I'm bad. I'm the girl who was in sports law class saying Title IX shouldn't be equal. So, you know, it's things don't bother me. Like, I, I'm tougher, but that's not the way of the world anymore. And yeah, you have to be careful. I mean, if we're trying to define it, 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 it the law is, is very, you know, definition driven. There's two types of harassment. There's hostile work environment. And then there's that quid pro quo situation, mm -hmm. right? Where it's, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. Um, a lot of different ways that you can skin the cat there with whether it's raises or, uh, you know, different shifts, hours, could be a million different things. Um, but the hostile actions is where you get into those physical, um, you know, it could be a pat on, pat on, you know, on the back, on the body, on the butt, doesn't matter. So, so let me just add, how do you, how do you touch someone? How can you touch someone? Is it no. situational? Where, where do you touch someone? In COVID, you just don't. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> I mean, you're, six, you're supposed to be six foot apart, but I mean, in reality, it, it really comes down to knowing who you're, who you're dealing with. I mean, that's the best way to, to navigate this. It's hard. 
I get that. Um, you know, but, but use common sense. If, again, I use the idea of a, a brand new employee first day starting, are you going to, you know, walk up and touch them, you know, even grabbing them, you know, by the arm or the shoulder, it just, it, you wouldn't do that on the first day. But you um, should be able to sense that comfort level where, right. you know, I obviously sometimes touch people to get their attention. I remember my first grade teacher, James, did we have first grade together, Mr. Parks? Yep. I remember I used to walk up to him and tap him on the back. And he said, don't tap me like that. Don't tap me like that. Obviously, it wasn't a sexual thing. But it was like, fuck off. It's fucking annoying, man. Stop. Um, and it doesn't have to be sexual everything, right? So there's, there's, there's harassment in general that is also part of this law. And, and so, you know, you're very right with the idea of knowing your comfort level there with people. But one of the things that, you know, we try to also tell employees to help the employer out is please communicate as best you can. I mean, again, if someone pats you in the back and you're not comfortable with being touched, then just tell that person. I understand that they technically don't have to. So how do you, how do you, so you're a newer employee. Nicole said the other day, she was new to, I think it was a restaurant or maybe it was some type of office like setting, but either way, she came in, she was young, she was new. Obviously you want to look real nice when you show up. I think you should dress the nines all the time, especially when you're at work. But she was being, these guys were flocking to her. And I, I mentioned earlier in the office, I was talking to a couple of the agents here uh, about Black Lives Matter. They're black and we obviously have, we talk about it a lot. There are a lot of conversations about it lately. And I was trying to explain how I feel like sexual harassment could be a more difficult concept to grasp for a lot of people because somebody showed me a, an Instagram story and it was a black cop walked up, this white woman saying, hey, there's black kids in my pool. And the, and the cop goes, no, no, what do you mean there's black kids in your pool? They're not doing anything. They're just swimming around the pool. And she, the woman started talking again. And the guy's trying to educate her. What does it matter if they're black or they're white? And that woman's like, officer, they're drowning. And then the officer runs around the back of the house. So, but the, well, that's because she sucks at messaging. But, <laughs> but what's happening is right now, it, the Black Lives Matter campaign, which is good, is it, and it, Aspects of that are good, aspects of that are bad. But it's making people think, okay? And what was happening in that scenario is that someone heard someone talking about race and rather than, rather than continue to listen, he reacted and he reacted based off of perceived racism versus listening to the message. Now, when it comes to sexual harassment and you're in the office, if I hire a cute 23-year-old girl, I'm just I'm, I'm saying 23 based off of whatever age range is predominant in the office, and we have guys from 18 years old to 70 years old in this office. But even at 70 years old, you've got testosterone. So gonads are going to tingle a little bit, and that goes vice versa, but it tends not to be the women approaching the men. Correct. Um, although I've, I have hired agents who I have women agents who I have almost had to have the conversation. Are you here because you want to sleep with me or are you here because you want to do real estate? It's a real conversation. I've been very lucky to not have to have that conversation, but I've been on the brink of having that conversation. Like, you know, what's going on? You're not, obviously not focused on real estate here. 
Sure. Why are you here? Um, but when I hire a cute young lady, I understand that. And I think maybe in the past I've said something like, hey, heads up, like you're new here, just, you know, just let these guys chill out and get used to you. But that's like real world stuff. Like if this is a fucking jungle and, you know, some, you know we have a new person coming into the jungle yep. and, and her memories are, are you know, blossoming. Or, yeah, I don't know. But it, it, what I'm saying is a natural human response. It is. Is that, and, and it's very difficult to regulate that when you're, from a guy's perspective, fucking hormonal man yeah it's tough i mean i mean that's why the statistics are the way they are right i mean well that's why we that's why we ban gym shorts in the office <laughs> <laughs> but but uh actually technically we can't we, Justin, we can't have, we, do you have we, a manual that says that we uh i do have something about a dress code in the manual but you can't have a dress code because they're independent contractors right so you, hmm it's 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 a tricky place to walk but how do you just bear in mind how animalistic it is and i feel like all the policies that we're putting into play right now the fact that nobody got you know how dare someone get offended or actually how dare someone offend because now everybody is offended and the tolerance level is decreasing i have a great tolerance level. i deal with bullshit all day long yeah my job is fucking chewing on shit Right? Like, I'm lucky if I find some fucking corn at the end of the day. <laughs> this, I, I am very tolerant because I deal with shit all the time. Yeah, but, but not everyone's you. Right, you're I, that way, I think. But, but I understand that. So, so let me just run the scenario, Brent, because I want to hear your opinion. I hire a new girl, and then I get all these young 20-year-old guys that typically are in and out of the office two, three times a week. They're here for an hour or two. Yeah. And now all of a sudden... And now all of a sudden they're here all the time. And that actually happened one time I can really remember. And then the, the girl quit. You know, it's not, you, you know, some of that stuff is natural, right? But there's a part to it where there's a responsibility on someone like yourself or a manager or a supervisor where, you know, you make that new hire, you, you start to see these things happen. Um, they created this law, I think, really to help with some of those issues that like Nicole was experiencing, right? Um, number one, not sure if she had a person to go to. Uh, if she did, she might not have felt comfortable. But, you know, the idea here is that if you see it, you're supposed to investigate it, you're supposed to go through that conversation. So all of a sudden you hire this 23 year old, uh, you know, 23 year old girl, you got 10 guys on your team that are like trying to talk to her, you kind of see that you got to have a conversation with those guys and say, listen, not, you know, what outside of work, um, you know, I can't control you. It's still not acceptable outside of work, because you guys come to work together the next day. Um, but here, I'm not going to allow it. Right. So it's, it's really tough because if you see, it, you really have to take, take control of that situation. And, and for a manager and supervisor right underneath you, um, let's say if you, if you do have those, which I don't know if you do, but a lot of companies do have that um, hierarchy, that manager or supervisor is supposed to watch out for those employees and be engaged with those employees. So the whole, like, I didn't know thing that you saw happen with, you know, on a, on a next level, right? Big time, big scale. You look at Penn State when that whole thing went down, yeah. right? Yeah. Athletic director, I didn't know. Trainers, I didn't know. Everyone went down with the ship because you're supposed to know. That's your job. Well, um, yeah. well so in the in a situation like Justin's described where he has a new hire, it's a cute chick, and all of a sudden, like, some of the other guys in the office are now giving a lot of attention to her. Like, are you just saying that, like, at some point you need to pull those guys and say, hey, 
leave this new chick alone. Like she's got a job to do. You've got a job to do. So if you need to ask her about something job related, fine. But otherwise leave her alone. As a chick, I'd appreciate that if something were said. I mean, if it's uncomfortable to come to work, you're not going to come to work. Well, let me, let me ask this, Jamie, if I came to you, I was like, Hey, you know, let me, obviously you're new here. Let me know if there's any issues. Mm -hmm. Brent, is that an issue? No, I mean, I mean, the idea here is that, especially as we talk about going through onboarding and all these different procedures as you bring new employees into the workforce, is having those conversations, actually going through, you know, what your procedure is. I feel like a lot of employers sometimes will just hand them a handbook, here's a policy, good luck, um, you know, you start Monday, and not actually walk through who that point person is if they do experience a situation kind of like what you're talking about. But it's in the handbook, so effectively they can wash their hands. I feel like you put in the handbook. But many people don't have a handbook. Let's start there. I I know that. I wrote the fucking handbook. I asked people questions. Nobody reads the handbook. Also, by the way, I don't know which one of you guys said it. They show up together at work. It's fucking stupid. If you're dating somebody from work, you don't walk through the door at the same time. You say, go buy four coffees. You go up the elevator first, and I'll serve the coffees, and you'll happen to get one. Yeah, I mean, if you, especially if there's a policy in the in the mm-hmm. workplace, you know, um, some companies are are no absolutely no dating. Some companies are like there's you know we allow relationships until it gets to a point where there is that dynamic of supervisor employee, um, you know. But let's say they are dating. Let's say they come in and all of a sudden you know tomorrow they're not friends. They hate each other. Someone wants to uh, you know say I'm going to file a complaint against you know uh, John Smith over there. Um, you know, again, it goes through that investigation procedure where you're going to sit down and you're going to go through and say, hey, okay, you obviously just were in a relationship. You had an argument. There wasn't anything malicious here. Um, you know, those things are common sense. They're going to work themselves out. So it's very easy to respond to like all the details of you can't touch anybody, you can't say anything. But at the end of the day, I think common sense is, has been prevailing, um, you know, especially to those people that have been uh, doing the training for two to three years now, they're seeing that it's not really been an issue. Um, are there a lot, are there a lot of, are there a lot of issues like non Weinstein type issues? Is there, are you like, Holy fuck, like this many people are trying to fuck this many people. This many days of like, you know, Justin is more, um, I think the surprising part is how people think that they can say what they say. You know, like, I mean, egregious stuff of like, you know, as crude as you can get. And you're like, you, you really thought that was okay to say, you know, like, uh, those are the types of cases that come up. I have yet to run across a case where someone said, oh, this person grabbed my shoulder, you know, and there's a huge investigation about it because that just doesn't typically happen. You but see, whatever, the- but whatever happened to sticks and stones may break my bones, but if you try to fuck me, that's rape. <laughs> like, what, but what, but remember, I mean, that was a big what thing. What school did you go to? <laughs> but but no, no no i but you understand we're like words are words actions are actions yeah. and I, when was the, let me ask you a question when was the last time you, and i'm i'm basically reciting this from somebody they weren't talking about rape they were talking about just being mean sure. but when was the last time you heard the phrase sticking on her my bones but your words will never when was the last time you heard your words will never hurt me like legit answer that question i i cannot remember you can't jamie james no no since you were a kid. I'm going to, well, here's what I'm going to say about it. Have you seen the movie No Country for Old Men? Yes. So, like, the, 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 early in the movie, the scene where Javier Bardem's character goes into the convenience store and he's talking with the gas station attendant 
and he's asking him pretty innocent questions and he flips the coin, but yeah. everything about that conversation is terrifying. Right. Mm -hmm. He doesn't touch the guy. He doesn't say, he doesn't say any, like if you look, if you were to look at the script for it, it would be completely innocent. But when you watch the scene and the way that everything goes, you're terrified. So to say that words don't have power, there, there's so much paraverbal stuff that can happen that can portray a completely different meaning to, to words. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I get that. You know, you grab them by the pussy these days, it's not an issue. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's just so tough. I mean, even for the employers, again, we, you know, I work with the employer, the employers and, and, you know, we back the employer versus the employee. So I get how hard it is for, you know, an owner or someone in that position to, to have to deal with the possibility of something being, you know, that simple uh, that creates an issue. But I think, again, the whole point here, you know, when we talk about doing trainings and, and working with the employees is just to say, it is a law. You know, we can't change it. So let's try and figure out the best way to not have anything. Well, well, we can change it. We can. But, but I'm not saying we should. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying, you know. Just elect different people. Well, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. The, I think the reason that they put it in was for, you know, like, again, some of the things that Nicole discussed yesterday. Okay, you know, we got to address those. We have to have something there. I think, you know, I think it is good at the end of the day. Um, you know, especially for those people that are in those situations that are really terrible. But I think that, you know, when we look at the actual verbiage, kind of like you were saying, James, it can come across very nitpicky. Um, but the actual situations that, you know, come across the desk are not those. Because well, that's good. That's good. 99% of people are able to have a conversation, have a joke. Mm -hmm. um, and the 1% that isn't is going to communicate that or not be involved or, or be around those people. It's just natural. And yet celebrities politicians newscasters they're all going down with this because it's completely overly pervasive so it exists matt lauer is a good example well that's nicole was saying that we should watch this tv show i haven't had a chance to watch it it's called the morning nicole uh, nicole's watching it's called the morning show james that's what she was saying what I, it's probably yeah. loosely based on the events that happened at the today yeah, show matt lauer. yeah yeah so but yeah matt lauer going down deservedly so well chris cuomo just got accused and so that happened today right yeah i mean yeah, what happened i don't know anything about this all over the place that he was doing the same type of things wearing a robe inviting people into a office and um did he so, have the little kill switch on the door and under his desk i i don't know about that <laughs> but, but but so so hold up though ah ah I, I'm so happy this hit me in the fucking brain right now. Yesterday, sitting in traffic to hit the Lincoln Tunnel, I see a woman. In, I'm in line in traffic to hit the Lincoln Tunnel, which if you're watching this live and you're not in New York City, you guys know. Brent, you spend a lot of time in New York City or no? I've been there a handful of times. I'm not mm -hmm. um, from upstate, and I've kind of stayed up here. Okay. I mean, I, James and I are from upstate, so, so you know, we kind of – New York City is a different animal. It is. Uh, I've been in the city enough times to know what it's like. Not the experience that you have, but I've been there plenty of times. So, I mean, you could sit in traffic getting out of the city for eight minutes or 80 minutes. And it just depends on the fucking tunnel if something shut down. It, it just, it really depends. So, sitting in traffic, and I see like some, like I see a bunch of guys, they all oh, look, something's off about them. Like one guy's not wearing a shirt, but like nothing wrong with that. I realize we're in front of a hotel. 
Now they've turned the hotels into housing for the homeless. So now I realize, I'm like, oh, these people aren't normal. And then I look up the block and somebody's beeping their horn. I don't know how to deliver this, but, it, but, it's, but it's a very slim dude with a pair of fake knockers with no shirt on. Okay. Now, I don't know if that's illegal or not. And, she, <laughs> and he's, he or she, I don't know where it stands, who's wearing just regular underwear, so technically still a he, but sort of part of a she. Sure. And he's taunting the, the cars. <laughs> so I just want to explain it. Like, this is a fucking complicated world, guys. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know. I, I, I attempted to roll the window down about an inch. Because I wanted to know. I wanted to hear. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to know what's going on? Another guy goes and tries to take his shirt off and give it to her or him. And just, Jamie and Brent, you may not know this. James, I think we talked about this. I was listening to, listening to a podcast, something about coronavirus, about being alone. And it's this woman who ended up in, like, Montana. And she's in this old cabin. Um... And she's talking, and, and the host is, is talking about how they went out there and they had this cabin and she's relating to her uncle and how they built this great cabin. And the podcast is about being alone. The, the host keeps talking about how they built the cabin. And I'm not following where this story is going one bit. To me, to me. I just, it just gets complicated. And how they've done a lot with the land. And I'm thinking like, but how is this about being alone? Because this girl went out there and then they built this great cabin. So obviously her and her partner but they were using the they were using the uh, what do you call it? pronoun they to mean a singular person. Oh, which is all I'm saying okay. is that it's just getting complicated. There is that the pronoun they now means a singular person, and I saw this woman without a shirt. I think it's better uh, to say it. I was like, Ugh. but it was a guy, and then maybe it's okay to not be wearing a shirt. I'm just saying that it's. From my perspective, I'm not like I don't give a shit. This person can run up and this real. I don't care, but it's just getting complicated from the yeah. person who's not fucking woke. Yeah, but like next- unless you're employing this person, then you don't have to worry about sexual harassment there. Sure, sure, but I'm saying that there are things that are just beyond the horizon that we're going to have to deal with. That I'm going to have to deal with probably before most because. Well, let me shift gears a little bit here because, like, I want to get your guys' take on this because there's there's been kind of a counterfactual narrative here about accusations in the whole Me Too movement where, like, I think we can all agree that people like Matt Lauer and Harvey Weinstein deserve to, to go down. Yeah. But as part – as kind of a side effect for this with people feeling more free to speak out, there's been kind of some misinterpretations about what is and what isn't sexual harassment. And I think a really good example would be Aziz Ansari's story from probably about two years ago. And I don't really remember, but when you read through it and everything and you see what actually happened on a, on a read, it sounds just like kind of an awkward, maybe a bad date, but it got blown up into this whole me too thing. And then when, when the facts came out and everyone looked at it, we're like, okay, he was a little bit awkward, but like when she said no, he stopped. And, but it's still he he had to go through like his name being dragged through the mud and everything because 
because the the female might have felt uncomfortable or whatever but it's one of these ones where you look at it now and you say well how far are we going to go in terms of what is sexual assault and what is sexual harassment and what is just kind of the natural messiness of people navigating through the early stages of a romantic relationship where i think we can all admit a lot of us pretty much everybody sucks on the first date yeah. well it's always right. awesome, right? i mean <laughs> but but how do you get to that first date with somebody at work and it'd be okay because I, I searched this today, I think it was like 25 to 40% of the articles I saw of people that meet their spouse at work. And then the next up is like through friends. A lot of people meet their spouse at work. Just think if you're somebody who works 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week, I mean, this is New York City, a lot of people work fucking 60 hours a week. That's not unheard of. And then you go home, and if you're single, and if it's fucking coronavirus, you can't go to a bar, where are you meeting people? Right. Your circle of friends is coming through your work. So you're meeting a lot of significant potential spouses or significant others through the work environment. How do you transition into that? And how is that, what, how does that slide through as okay? I mean, I think everything starts out okay. I think that, again, depending on your, your place of work, if, if your job has a policy, you know, we don't allow employees to date, then then you have to abide by that policy. If it is a uh, employer that allows relationships in the workplace, then um, you know I think those relationships start out uh, okay. I think that there's a human interaction there that's fine. Um, you know, but let's say I'm trying to trying to take somebody out and I ask them out and they say no. Okay, I should probably stop there. I mean, it's that simple. It, it's it's I know it's kind of tough because every situation is a little bit different. But you know, I probably shouldn't ask that person out a second time or a third time or a fourth time. Or start leaving like little notes and show up with flowers one day and say, hey, can you, uh, can you come out with me tonight? To, you know, I'm just going out with some friends after they've already told you no. Um, you know, hey, if they come approach you, maybe after they've said no and they're like, you know what, hey, how about we grab dinner? Okay, Hold great. on a second. I got to pause him right there because two days ago on our podcast, Justin gave me some shit for this one where I said, if you, ask, if you start working with it somewhere and you ask a chick out for a date and she says no, that's the end of the story. Like you get to ask once. And then if she decides, if she changes her mind at some point, she'll come find you. You don't get to ask her two no, or three more times after that. That's not how life works. People grow on people. Right. And if, if she grows on you, then she'll let you know. But it's a, not, that's not how it works. And well, it's about being tactful. It's about, I think the tact is really important. And if I get shot down once, I'm done. She can come talk to me after that. <laughs> if it was a hard no, mm. like, man, don't ever talk to me again. Yeah. I mean, if it was a no, like, I don't know you, and let's say you get to know each other over the next couple of weeks, month, whatever it might be, and then you see each other at the gym, you have a conversation, okay, but, you know, you're still in that territory that could be flip-flop, right? You just okay, so now I'm getting the, the message is, if it's a soft no, it's okay to stalk her. <laughs> it's more okay to try and navigate, I guess. It's more okay to stalk her. There we I, go. I, I can't <laughs> wait to consume your material, Brent, because I really want to – I just want to know the kind of policies and the language. Yeah. And Because obviously I think the current company that we're in and the most people that are leaving comments right now, uh, Lisa just asked, who hurt James? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Send my uh, contact to her. We'll talk. So, but, um, uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, it is tough. It's, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird handbook to write. Yeah. And it's a weird workplace to exist in. So. 
I, like if you were to break it down, I mean, your policy is going to have everything in it as far as, you know, don't, don't, uh, you know, get physical with people. Don't, you know, um, whether it's verbal, whether it's swearing, I mean, it could be that simple where I'm just dropping F-bombs around somebody all day long. They tell me to stop and I keep doing it. I mean, that can constitute harassment right there. So, well, really? Yeah. I was, I was, I was in somewhere and I said the F word and somebody looked at me and I were with a kid. I go, oh shit, sorry. Yeah. I mean, we, we're, we're in like a political world too now, right? So, That's you fair. know, you know, let's say I got a, a guy I work with who's on the opposite side of the fence. Um, we both know it and whatever, and I'm just, you know, ragging on them, whatever the case might be. I mean, those things are all protected classes, you know, theoretically, religion, all that stuff. So, you know, the big ones are, you know, sexual harassment and, and obviously race now um, and what's going on, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement. But uh, there's a million, there's like, you know, over 100, I think, protected classes that are defined from the state. Um, that go into that policy that, you know, technically the employee is supposed to read and be aware of. <sighs> that's, that's a long list. It's a long list. Um, so I had, I was going to tell you guys this story a bit earlier. I had an agent who I had gotten wind that they were getting these text messages. And this is a few years ago. And the agent apparently had gotten text messages from someone pretending to be my wife. Now, agent, did, agent was very new, didn't know me, pretending to be my wife, saying, this is Justin's wife. Do not text him. I know you're fucking him. Leave him, leave him alone. Stop trying to ruin our marriage. And the agent was like brand new. I talked to the agent like twice. What, Brent, what's textbook for that? From my perspective, from her perspective. <laughs> exactly what just happened. The new employee was texting an agent? Some random phone number. We Google the numbers. Somebody had created this fake phone number to text a new agent. Okay. No one knew who that phone number was. We searched it. We called it. Nothing. That's. Uh, I mean, that would be an instance where that that agent is supposed to come right to you and just say, "This is what's going on," and and then you're supposed to take with it and run with it and figure it out. You know, go through, do do what you did, which obviously is trying to figure out where it's coming from. But at that point, I mean, you can't control those things. There are pieces to this where, like, I'll use the example of a vendor, right? You have, an, you know, you have your employees there. Um, you know, you're working with, their, with them every day. Everything's going smooth. You have vendors coming in, dropping off parts. Uh, could be supplies, whatever industry you're in. And that vendor starts uh, harassing or trying to talk to an employee. Um, again, if a supervisor is doing their job, they're going to see that. And they're going to step in and they're going to have to start to have a, that conversation, which is, you know, we are a harassment-free workplace. We don't allow that here. And then, you know, if it continues, you got to make that decision at the end of the day where it might be your best vendor, but you have to protect your employees. And that's kind of the essence of the law is to say, you might have to let go of that vendor. Uh, I, have a, I have a vegan employee. She goes to the same restaurant almost every day. And she was there. I think it has more or less worked itself out, but she's been going to this restaurant and uh, the manager in the restaurant keeps coming on to her. And she doesn't exactly know how to deal with that. She's younger. I don't know how to, she's brought it to my attention. Obviously that's out of my scope, but um, I don't know how to advise her on this. You know, should, do I just leave that alone? I mean, her vegan food and say, don't go there anymore. Keep working here. (laughs) That, That should be at that restaurant that there should be a harassment 
uh, you know, training and policy that's in place there that is, you know, teaching and telling those people not to do it. Um, you know, so theoretically, she could make a complaint there uh, if she wanted. Um, obviously, you can't control that, right? So, you know, nothing necessarily yeah. you have to do, but you can at least make her aware of the fact that, you know, it is a, a statewide law. Um, and, you know, every single place is required to abide by those laws. So um, I use the example also a lot of time people don't realize that outside of work counts. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, DM somebody at night because I met them at work today. Uh, you know, I find them on Instagram and I start, you know, dropping some messages in their inbox that still constitutes, you know, the ability for uh, a complaint to be filed because we have to come in the next day and work together. Um, you know, it's, t it's tough, you know, from the employer perspective, you can't control that theoretically what happens outside of work, but you can be engaged with your employees. You can be talking to them daily. You know, when something's off an employee comes in five minutes late, and they're never late. Okay. You now what's going on? Let's have a conversation. Um, at least do your due diligence to be involved to say, you know, maybe we can get ahead of these issues from happening. I mean, but as, as the owner of a company, if he's got two employees that are messaging each other and one of them's harassing another and the one who's being harassed doesn't let him know, how is he able to find out about this? Again, it's not always, it's not always going to happen where that person's going to come to that owner and say, Hey, I've got a problem. But you know, typically if they are being harassed and they are, they are actually affected by it. Right. So, you know, I don't want, I don't want to be around this person. Um, they're going to start to act differently. They're going to be quiet. They might stay at their desk all day. They might not get up and walk around. Um, their mannerisms will change. It's just natural. And again, at the end of the day, if absolutely nothing happens, um, you know, that part will be, uh, that part will be investigated. You'll find that, right? So you're going to sit down with that employee and they're going to say, you know, did you ever let anybody know? Um, no, I didn't let anybody know. I didn't really change anything. And you're going to find that stuff out. And, you know, while it doesn't stop uh, the person that's doing that harassment from, you know, being disciplined, it at least removes some of that um, responsibility from being placed on the employer's shoulders because they were doing everything that they could to, to get rid of any potential problems or be involved in any potential problems. But I want to talk about the generational aspect. I mean, if you're talking about uh, like the intergenerational gap, I think even you and I, who by most standards would be considered old, but like we're older. What do you mean by most standards? But, like, like, I, I don't know. I've always hung out with older people. Like people, people call me on like yo, when I was when I was bartending at the restaurant. Just hear me out. Like, when I was bartending at the restaurant, there'd be times that the owner would make me take tables, and she's like. And there was one night where like these two dudes that were like probably between 55 and 60 sit down and she said, James, th that's your table. I said, it it's dead in here. Like so-and-so can go take the table. And she said, no, that's your table. And I ended up talking with them for like an hour and a half about drinks and everything else. And after they left, the owner comes up to me and says, I had you take that table because those were two like dudes in their fifties and you get along with those guys better than anybody else that I've seen here. And I'm like, yeah, cause I'm old. And so I think even though like we, we have kind of an older outlook than someone who than a lot of other people that are in their early 30s um like we can look at the culture of like the 1950s and the 1960s like in, in mad men or whatever and say okay even even though we're kind of old like we can see you know what that probably wasn't okay well right. we're all we're, we're all pretty similar demographic i feel like us the the, the four of us so i don't want to call you guys out on the on my upper left <laughs> but I don't, I don't want to call you guys out but i feel like we are very transgenerational at this moment in time we are mm -hmm. because 
we are on Twitter, which is for old people, and TikTok, which is for young people. Twitter's for old people? Bro, there's no pictures. <laughs> you got everything on Twitter. But uh, Instagram, but point is, is that I think we remember all the time before social media. Yeah. Sure. Like, what did you have before? Think pre-2005. What did you have to connect with your community or other people? Instant I mean, Messenger. Yeah, very, you yeah. know, people, when did, when did MySpace come out? I mean, yeah. MySpace yeah, was barely. 2002 and 2003. Yeah, so barely MySpace. Like, MySpace may be the first. And you had the, but Instant Messenger was, well, we all communicated. That was before record. we even had cell phones. But, I mean, I think, I think you're right with that. I think the social media has made it very sensitive because you're just seeing, you're seeing information all day long. And well, it's so fast. It's tough because you have so many platforms. I mean, I literally find myself in the morning, you know, kind of like you were saying, Justin, I'll jump on Instagram, you know, jump through there for 20 minutes. And then I'm like, all right, there's nothing interesting on here anymore that I haven't seen. So I'll jump over to YouTube and then Facebook. And it's like, you know, there's so many platforms with instant information that, you know, we're, we're in this world where it creates a sensitivity. I mean, that's just natural. Facebook came out when I was a freshman in college. My, my school that I went to, if you remember anything about the history of Facebook, it started off with just like one school and then like it expanded out to about 15 schools and you couldn't get an account if you didn't have a .edu email from such and such a school. My school was in the third wave. So it went from like one school to like 15 to about a hundred. So my school was in like that first 100 and all my friends were talking to me about this and they were saying the, the Facebook, this or that. And I said, what is this? I have no, I, it, these are just two words that don't really feel like they belong together. And they said, and they explained to me the concept of you, you just make friends or whatever. And you have like a friend count or whatever, and, and you can share stuff. And I said, everything about that, having like, n like putting a number to how popular you are and exposing all of just posting all of your private dealings online for attention and everything that goes into that. I said, that all sounds terrible. I want nothing to do with that. Yeah. And so but, at, at age I, I 18, I looked at that and I said, that sounds like the worst thing that I've ever heard of. I'm not going to be a part of it. And I've kept that going for 16 years now. You know, I think, I think when you look at the different industries, you start to find those, what we call your analog and digital, you know, kind of generational mixes where you have people, new age coming in, working with people that have been in the industry. But I mean, look at the industries like take manufacturing, for example, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's not a whole lot of young talent running into manufacturing right now, but you have a lot of people that, you know, in the nineties, eighties, whenever were, you know, they went right into that field. And so they've been, been there 20, 30 years, maybe they're, they're 50 years old. Um, and now they're having to change, you know, everything that they say and do. Um, and you can't really fault them, but you do have that issue where you have a 20 year old coming in, you know, working with a guy that's maybe 50, 60 years old, who's, you know, been in that machine shop his whole life. And now that guy's told he can't, you know, say a crude joke or whatever the case might be, because it might offend this younger generation, theoretically. Um, it's tough. There's no other way to say it other than it's tough. And you have to do your best as the employer to at least educate those people to say, you know, I know, I know what you're used to saying, I know what you're used to doing, but you just can't do it anymore. But I mean, you're removing the humanity, like the personality out of the fucking people. And we're getting
getting that much closer to why robots would be better taking over our fucking jobs. Well, I mean, you got to have that personality. We already did the UBI talk a couple of weeks ago. I, uh, I appreciate you guys being here. Brent, um, my assistant will be back next week. We're going to book it. I'm going to send that out. Um, Let's go. She just got married this week, my assistant. So I know you told there. me Thursday. I was like, I'm going to give her more time than that. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm incapable of doing everything, and she's very capable of doing. Everything. So awesome. Thank Hit her up. She, she's going to send it out to everybody. I'm looking forward to that. Jamie, thank you for joining us. You know, just if you guys, if you if you aren't familiar with doing the training, you know, ask your employer. Uh, if you are an employer. Um, seek it out. You know, you can do it yourself. You can hire someone to do it, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's important for your culture. So Justin link his information. And if anyone follows on LinkedIn, you can follow either one of us. All the information is linked up there too. And it supports NICRA. If you go through my link. That's very cool. That's very cool. Um, all right guys, Jamie, we'll talk tomorrow about some links. Use some, some URLs, use some links. All right. Over and out. Sit talk 35. Adios, guys. Good stuff, guys. Cheers. Well, we lasted the entire episode. I barely did. I blamed the rum, though. Um, Thank you for joining. Please let me know what you want to hear about in future episodes in the comments. And I would love to hear your feedback on this episode. Obviously, we drank a lot. We're joking around. Sexual harassment is a very serious issue. I don't think we're trying to downplay that at all. We're just trying to deal with it and explain it from as many perspectives as possible so that people understand it and people are able to avoid it and people are able to deal with it when it does happen. Uh, But again, if you wouldn't mind, like this video, comment, subscribe, and share it. All right, love you guys.